Welcome to the Points Performance Podcast with me, Tom Blade. This is episode 32. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Amy O'Keefe, who is the performance nutritionist at Manchester United Football Club and CrossFit nutrition researcher. Welcome, Amy. How are you doing, mate? Hey, hey Tom, you okay? Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, how are you getting on in life, in lockdown at the minute? Yeah, out of... Um isolation tomorrow so oh have you had the uh have you had the lurgy mate i have yeah did you have so, symptoms yeah. or was it one of those like uh, non-symptom illnesses i'd say non-symptom to be fair i just had a like a phlegmy throat so yeah. that wasn't even classed as a symptom so i've been fine yeah fair. just a just a bit fluey just a bit fluey fluey really <laughs> the main word there cool mate um, I really want to know about your job at Manchester United. So performance nutritionist, would you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so I am the performance nutritionist for Manchester United women's team, the first team, and it all started last season. So I was on placement during my uh, master's course at John Moores. We got the opportunity to gain experience at elite level sport. Um, and I was lucky enough to to get the role at Manchester United. And before myself and another intern started, they had no nutrition support in place other than what the performance coach was providing, which was, you know, just small bits, to say the least. She was trying to... A bit of bro best. science. A bit of bro science, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we came in. And to be fair, it was just a, it was a blank canvas. So... In this, in a sense, it was amazing because there was nothing to. There was no expectancy, if that makes sense. You didn't have to yeah. follow any anything. We could lay our own foundations, which was very rare, and we gained a lot from it. Um, obviously, COVID hit in March 2020, and then naturally, my placement was coming to an end anyway. So, and over the summer, kept in touch with a few players, the performance coach, and then. Um, it was nice to be asked to go back on a one day per week basis um, and I started back there at the end of October last year so yeah it, it's really good to, we're sitting top of the league which is always nice to go into both teams are top of the league aren't they mate <laughs> I think the, uh, yeah, I'm, the, I'm an the, Everton fan so uh, we're doing well to be fair. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it was like I, asked, I used to love United I used to go like a couple of, like once a month or something you know go yeah. and watch them and uh I saw that they were top of the league for like the first time. I was like, how long has it been, Dad? And he's like, it's like 13 <laughs> years or something it's wow. been since United have been top of the league. Something mental like that. So, yeah, wow. that was... Well, well, very good. And I think that... I don't think it gets much better than that, really, does it? Apart from, I don't know, possibly going to like a national team or an Olympic team. I don't know. Like, Yeah, so... Yeah, I've gone straight in after... I haven't even graduated yet, but obviously I finished the course, going straight into a WSL team um yeah you can't ask much more but you completed it mate so early on (laughs) i don't don't think so um (laughs) but yeah it's it's a a massive job and females are complicated um Mm. what what sort of impacts do you feel that you've had since starting at manchester united on the players if it was to be truthfully honest I thought I'd answer the question in two parts. So my 
vision as soon as I came in. Obviously, I knew some of the players from um, the internship, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to gain trust and just build relationships outside of nutrition talk. So, you know, just getting to know the individuals, um, understand how they tick, and then from there, um, you know, then you can speak to them about nutrition if it's needed. So, yeah, on a on a sort of human to human level, I wanted to get to know them as people first, and then see them as an athlete second. I think that, um, that like with with coaching, like that is the most important thing. Whatever knowledge you've got to give to somebody, mm-hmm. they have to they have to they have to know that you care first, don't they, and that you've got their best yeah. interests at heart. Sorry no, for cutting you off, there, mate. No, no, it's fine. Um, no, completely. So I went in with that approach. And then impact-wise, um, I'd like to think that they're more aware of the impact carbohydrates can have on performance. Um, and, yeah, just 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 that I'm a, I'm a support network and I'm, I'm one of them. I'm willing to give my absolute all as long as, you know, they're willing to, to do it as well. So, um, yeah, I think... The impact, it, it's hard to make a huge impact on one day a week because um, I'm there in person one day a week, but obviously you're doing work um, remotely, you know, most days. But, um, yeah, we're, the, the trusting in eating more, which is a big thing in females. Um, so, yeah, just going to build on top of that for the rest of the season and try and, try and stay where we are, top of the league. Brilliant. I mean, they have to get to the point where they're like, okay, I've been, as a female, I'm not a female, obviously, but I know many. I know I'm, de- yeah. I'm married to one. But um, <laughs> I would definitely say that, especially women who go to the gym or compete or whatever, they, they are very body conscious. Like a lot yeah. of them, in my experience, are body conscious. And when somebody's telling them to eat more because it's going to make them perform better, that's great. But they may nec- they might be worried a little bit about their physical appearance and they're thinking oh my god am I going to get bigger I'm going to put some more weight on mm-hmm. I don't want that um have you had any sort of like altercations or like pushback with that yeah I, I wouldn't say about pushback as such but I've definitely had questions and and sort of that standoffish um you know response of mm, um you want me to eat more and I'm not going to gain any weight um which is completely normal like as like an athlete myself I know I don't compete anymore but um if I didn't know what I knew now I'd be like what 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 are you talking about um so yeah there's definitely been a reluctancy from from some but once you have a positive impact on one player you know word spreads and um Mm. my focus was okay we all need to increase our carbohydrates like content daily let's start with doing it around training times so your body's gonna you know soak it up like a sponge anyway so let's have them like a massive hit pre and post and if you want depending on you know their um their goal um body composition goal and, and and things like that then we can drop off carbohydrates towards the evening or vice versa so yeah going in with the idea of let's fuel performance and those hours around performance um i think is, is definitely been beneficial so far yeah 
Yeah, especially if you can tell them initially, like that they can take food away elsewhere, mm-hmm. and then they'll feel like they're eating the right amount. You know, they're not eating too much still. Yeah. 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 And you and you can get it through liquids. I think I blew a few people's minds um, when they didn't have to eat it in sweet potato. So I was yeah. like, you can have a you can have a Lucasade, a Gatorade, whatever. Yeah. I, it's there's a lot of people that would be like, oh, you know. Um, sugary sports drinks and but for a club that's only three years old or a team that's only three years old a lot of them haven't came through a academy um, you know pathway so they haven't got that like prerequisite nutrition basic level information behind yeah. them some of them so um, I want results fast um, you know it's the turnover games is, is ridiculous, especially during COVID now. Um, so if it means reducing quality to to get carbohydrates yeah. in, it's, I'm all for it. I think, I think, yeah, that's definitely true a little bit in the CrossFit world as well, that sometimes you have to sacrifice quality for quantity. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can't fuel three, four workouts a day from a handful of sweet potatoes and some broccoli and a bit of chicken. It no. just doesn't work that way. And like, you know, banging some dextrose in, or like you said, Gatorade or whatever it is, is, is sometimes just necessary. Like, like I'm on the bigger end of the, um, like the heavier end of lads. Like I'm like yeah. 94, 95 kilograms for a CrossFitter. Um, and I'm putting away like four, four and a half thousand calories every day, yeah. but training twice a day. Um, yeah. And you can't, you just can't get it all in in super high quality foods. Like I'm banging no, no. bagels and protein yogurts in and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd really, I can't imagine eating that much sweet potato or or rice. I just can't no. imagine doing it. <laughs> no, and I think with the obviously the elite level athletes, and if I was to go with that approach of let's get it through whole foods. Um, yeah, get a few whole foods in, you know, your main meals and things. But um, um, I feel like as a practitioner, I'd be running the risk of them underfueling if I expected them to be all about quality. So, yeah. Um, and I think sometimes after, if they've just absolutely smashed themselves for 90 minutes, sometimes you don't feel that hungry. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, depending that is on one of the, the issues. Sorry to cut you off there. That's all one right. of the things that I'm finding with the post-workout nutrition, you can read all of the, you know, uh, research papers in the world, but the players just aren't hungry after the game. So I'm not saying all of them. Um, and we've, I've been like trialing, so they all have a recovery shake. It's like a, it's called a for goodness shake. I think you can get them in Tesco oh, yeah. and things. Yeah. Um, so they have one of them when they, as soon as they finish, and then obviously they have a post-workout meal. But what some of the players we're finding was they were having that shake, which is around 500 calories or something like that. And they were too full to eat real food. Um, so for some players, we took the recovery shake away, give them a Gatorade or Lucasade mm. so that they're not too full to eat proper food on the coach on the way home. Or, yeah. Um, that makes lots yeah. of sense because we know that uh, protein is a bit more filling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, if you are chugging what isn't, essentially like a thick milkshake with loads of carbs yeah. and protein in you're going to feel a bit like oh, like my normal process after um like my like one of my sessions or second session is like mm-hmm. 
do that 40 grams of protein, 50 grams of carbs, 60, mm-hmm. 70 grams of carbs. Yeah. Um, like after training and then maybe like two hours after that, I'll eat something. I couldn't eat yeah, something yeah. straight away. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's different. Some people will, but um, yeah, it's sometimes the recovery shake is a bit of a, can have a negative impact on if you're looking at, you know, the actual quantity of food that they're yeah. going to eat post-workout. Yeah. And like you said, everybody's different. So you just have mm-hmm. a different, you just have a different process as long as like, you know, the it's as long as performance is maintained and yeah. um, it's sustained, you can sustain it. Like, you know, yeah. if they chin it off after three days and then start under eating again, you've got a problem, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So, um, What's your um, experience working with CrossFitters so far? Yeah, so I used to compete in it and train it. I still train in it to like to a degree. Um, so it all started from a from a competing side of things, and I used to be with a nutrition company myself. Um, and yeah, I got onto the whole like counting macros, tracking food. And it was three years ago, so 2017, I was going on like three uh, friends' holidays in the space of like four months in the summer. So I wanted to look good, but I also was training really hard. And I was on a like a nutrition plan. And I, I'll be truthfully honest, I lost my period for seven months, maybe eight months. Um, and I wasn't as educated as as I am now and I was I was blaming it on holidays and just not looking after myself properly mm. and I was and I, at the time I'll be truth, truthfully honest I wasn't really bothered that it had gone because I was just like oh it'll come back next month it'll come back next month uh, and it didn't and it wasn't until I started to eat more because I wasn't cutting anymore in the summer and then my training load decreased I got me period back so that is where the interest started and I thought there must be so many other female crossfitters like this who were competing at a way higher level than I was um, with a with an increased training volume and intensity. So that's where it all started. And then I was doing a master's in sport nutrition last year and decided that this was a research area um, that has not really been explored before. So this research study was aimed at men and women at first. Um, but then shock due to COVID <laughs> um, I couldn't get as many men on the study because competitions were cancelled so I had to say oh yeah, you had, oh yeah we spoke about that didn't we yeah, yeah 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 so the the title of the study was energy intake and supplement use in well-trained female crossfit athletes during a training during training and competition um, so yeah there was 13 females um, 11 of them were sanctional level, level athletes um, and then two were RX level athletes. So it was, it was a, it was a high standard. Yeah. And do you want me to talk about the results and things of the study? Absolutely. Or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Okay. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I'll try and not speak forever. So the... <laughs> that's what this is all about, mate. <laughs> I know. I don't want to like go into too much detail and, and people get bored. So the, yeah, there was 13 female CrossFit athletes and they just had to be qualified for a sanctional or RX level athlete yeah. in the UK or in Europe. And we had a CrossFit survey 
which CrossFit supplement survey, sorry, which we designed, which we had to complete before the start of the study. And that was just about what current supplements they were taking and a little bit about if they were aware of the supplements needed for their sport and things like that. And the way we collected data and assessed it was we asked each athlete for a seven day food diary during a training phase. And the training phase was um, three to four weeks out from competition. So that like high volume peaking phase. Um, and it was through food photos and also a food diary, which included time. And um, so, yeah, we had we. We had a lot of, of images and a lot of half A lot food. of data there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we assessed it all with, with my fitness pal. And then they once they had the training data, we asked them to do exactly the same during two days of competition. Um and as you know, the sanctional competition is three days. So we decided to ask them to collect data on the last two days, so always the Saturday and the Sunday. Yeah. And that was purely for the reason that there's more events on the Saturday and the Sunday um, yeah. than there is on, on day one. Um, and then what we found was the overall, the overall average energy intake was around 2,400 calories. But the, so it ranged from like 1,750 to two to like 3,000, so the, like the difference was 647 calories either side of that mm. 2,400. Um, and majority of them athletes were training two times a day, sometimes three. Yeah. So that lower end of the scale was quite worrying for some, for some athletes, um, especially when they were on paper, like meant to be in more on those high volume peaking, you know. Yeah. Uh, training phases did it did any of it depend on their um size their body weight so what i didn't give them any um sort of carbohydrate education or anything before no it was just like crack on and tell me what happens like yeah yeah it was purely natural so the recommended carbohydrate intake for CrossFit athlete or not, not not CrossFit athletes like high intensity interval training so CrossFit weight training is um six to eight grams of carbs per kilo of body weight so if you've got a 60 kilogram female just times that by six and 360 grams of carbs is the like call it the minimum of what, what they were meant to be having yeah um and there was only one athlete um and she won't mind me, me saying who it is Karis Webster who's no, top top athlete and she was the only yeah. one who hit hit that six grams per kilo even a little bit more which was yeah. um it was good to see someone hit it but obviously the other the other 12 were she's a str- I've, I've met i've met her um at 3d she's a she's a strong girl yeah you can she, tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah she 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 loves the food so the what we found carbohydrate wise was on average it ranged from 4.6 to 5.4 grams per kilo. So um, just under the the recommended intakes that we'd like to see. But again, who's to say that those intakes are correct, if that makes sense? Like yeah, they could be like, a little bit too high. 
Yeah, are they, um, accu- are they accurate? As in, like, are they accurate with the tracking? Yeah. As well? Yeah, you've got to put all of that into, like, it was my eye that was looking at, yeah. you know, the photos and things. Um, but then there is the recommended intake of three grams to six grams of carbohydrates per kilo. So that is for, um, so say if we're talking about footballers, just to go back uh, a touch, that would be, you know, a, a single day training session. So, you, you know, uh, moderate to high intensity day. Um, so they were within that threshold, just yeah. not the six to eight, which we would like to see around competition and carbohydrate loading and mm. things like that. From your experience, what would be, what would, what differences in performance have you seen from someone who sticks to the lower end, like three or four grams of carbohydrates per kilogram of body weight to someone who's pushing towards the six to eight? I know this is just, this is just like from what, from your perspective, but if mm-hmm. you can like look at a few different girls or lads in your mind, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, if I was to look at some of the females in the study, um, it's that sustained effort and that day after day after day being able to be on to be at it at least you know 80 90 percent whereas some other the females in the study that were on the lower end of the spectrum um would they have like a really good monday tuesday and then start of like die off yeah they'd sort of like crash yeah um so yeah and you know i've not not got any like evidence sources to say that is the reason why, but at, you know, two and two make four in this situation. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know, we haven't got like massive scientific study, comprehensive studies on this sort of thing, but mm-hmm. we, you know, you have got experience and um, you can go off like your own sort of data with in- individuals, can't you? And just be like, yeah, oh, this is what happened when you did this. This is what happened when you did that. And you yeah. can only go from there, really, can't you? And I think no, with, definitely. Yeah, I think the thing with this, with every individual, is just trying something for a while. Like if yeah. you are a bit apprehensive about increasing your carbohydrate intake, take some pictures, try it out for mm-hmm. four, six, eight weeks, and then yeah. what happens? Like, I think making a bit a journal or a training diary is a fantastic idea for a CrossFitter, anyway. Yeah, no, definitely because the the regimented with the training at the same time just going off like feedback from the study was some of them had never really tracked before or they track loosely and it really really made them be like wow okay mm. 57 I'm grams not, of protein a day and like, yeah, i'm not feeling enough yeah um so it had a i know there's an athlete called sean peters um who has came on leaps and bounds in the last year and she took part in this study and she'll openly admit that she was on you know, the lower end of the intakes and was a bit sporadic with what she was eating. And it, it really opened her eyes to, to what she should be having. And I'm not saying that I've had a massive impact on her training, but she's absolutely skyrocketed in the last year. I'd like well, to say it's down to nutrition. Yeah, <laughs> the power of carbohydrates. I mean, if you're not fueling Crazy, the fire. Isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it is carbohydrates. It's the, it's the macronutrient that so many females fear. Yeah. Did they? Um, did anybody experience any like what they would perceive as a negative weight gain? Or it, that's it, one thing we didn't we didn't monitor didn't weight. At. No, no. So that was uh, like a reflection that, in hindsight, I would have loved to monitor. Definitely during the the competition, 
weekend, like in the, the day before, whether they were loading, and that would have been really interesting. Yeah, you could probably assume that, like, leading up towards t- competition, if the volume reduces, mm-hmm. then they yeah. might. Well, it, it, it goes a bit, a bit, it goes a bit both ways, isn't it? Because sometimes I find that when people's volume drops off towards competition, they become less inflamed and they mm-hmm. hold less water anyway, you know, because they're not smashing themselves as much with fizz. Yeah, um, but at the same time, there's that, there's the, the guidelines of when you're carbohydrate loading um, to consume between 8 and 10 grams of carbs um, per kilo of body weight, which <laughs> for like 100 kilo, like potentially just say you're 100 kilo, for a guy, that is insane amounts of carbohydrate. That's a lot uh, of bagels, that means. <laughs> <laughs> so many bagels. How many bagels is that? It's too many. um so yeah like again um but then you know for for, even for females that's that's intense but um you're gonna hold water because for every gram of carbs you hold like three three to four grams of water so um it's it's having the education behind what you sort of have to cut back on to increase your carbs which is which is a another podcast in itself i guess yeah then you're looking towards dietary fat at that point and maybe cutting back on cutting back on like fiber like fruit and veg um yeah. so that you you don't have as much like stomach distress um yeah so what a lot of people find is the the what's the word they have yeah so they have like cramping or they have bloating if they have too much fruit and veg because there's just too much fiber so what you can do the day before a comp or and the weekend of a comp or whatever is reduce your fruit and veg intake so that your fiber's pretty low, um, so there's no risk to you know stomach distress or anything. So yeah, just that like that, the, lowering that lowering the non-effective food volume almost, isn't it? Like yeah. that's not going to do anything for me. So let's get out of the way so I can digest all this stuff that's going to give me some energy and yeah, definitely. And even protein to a degree, reduce yeah. your protein intake. Uh, that's what we say to the the girls at Man United is you don't need like the two grams per kilo body weight the day before a match because you're going to feel full and yeah. you want to be able to eat more carbs. So you can have a little bit of a lower protein to make more room for your carbs. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's massively important, I guess. Yeah. Which is, and then if we could just back that onto the protein uh, result from the study, we, it was 1.9 grams per kilo. Um, of protein on average, which is really good. Um, you know, it, yeah. it, it is a really good intake, but if you were to look at carbohydrates, are they prioritizing protein first and then not being really hungry for the carbs? Ah, so yeah. you can think of it that way as well. I think, um, I think um, men can be definitely guilty of that because everything from men's health or, and so on has told <laughs> us to, to load up on protein to maintain and increase muscle mass. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't think people realize how little protein you actually need to maintain your muscle mass, especially mm-hmm. if you're training and yeah. you're eating a, a good level of, of carbohydrate, a good amount of carbohydrates. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah. So I think people will prioritize protein post-workout. Definitely. Um, but what you can do is have a bit of a of a dream team and just have carbs and protein because then 
um, it maximizes recovery more if you have them both together as like yeah. a, a double combo. What um, so what would you say is um, typically like the a, a good maintenance level of protein for someone to have like off season if they're not, you know, if they're not yeah. if they're not prioritizing getting any bigger, but they want to maintain the muscle mass. Yeah, I would say um, one point six grams per kilo uh, of protein. So uh yeah and for general so that is if you're still training i'd say but there's even intakes that are recommended for people who don't train at all um of around like the 1.2 0.8 yeah. to 1.2 which is obviously if you're not doing any resistance training at all or any movement but um oh, can't imagine yeah, that a life like that i'm afraid <laughs> i know <laughs> i, I imagine know. living oh. that way um, <laughs> but yeah yeah i think um it's something that's talked about more and more. And obviously there's, there's people like yourself and there's a lot of companies, my mate, Johnny Landles, um, you know, that's, that's what he does for a living. Now he helps people with the, the body composition and performance goals. Um, yeah. And Nick Jeffs, who's, who's from my gym, we've I've, I've had on the podcast a couple of times as well. Um, it's such a big subject and there's so much conflicting information out there. It just can be really confusing for someone who's got access to Google. Um, of course. So I've been like, people like yourself are really helpful and I think if you are really serious about your nutrition and getting the most out of yourself or if you do want to in, in change your body composition the best thing to do is to work with someone who can help you find out what's best for you yeah yeah and it doesn't have to be forever like I don't want to hold someone's hand forever um because I don't feel like that would be me be me doing my job properly I don't think you're teaching um, anyone at that point you're just like you're holding no. you're like the mum you're like just feeding them stuff you're like <laughs> eat that eat that eat that and you're yeah. not educating them at all are you at that point and you want yeah. like a certain level of autonomy so that they can they can like graduate you really yeah uh, definitely and I, yeah and I worked with Johnny for like nine months and then yeah. it, eventually that's that's what happened we did everything we wanted to do I knew what I had to do going forward and it was like right cool nice one like yeah thanks very much yeah um, felt like a proud dad moment <laughs> yeah, yeah i hope he felt that way he did, a great, he did a great he did a great job um and i really enjoyed it and i learned a lot um yeah. female crossfitters like you know you've got to be a bit you've got to be a bit unhinged to be like a hardcore crossfitter anyway haven't you like there's, there's yeah. so much sacrifice there's so much hard training that goes into it um and i think with like with things like instagram and the internet the perception of what you need to look like is a bit off and mm-hmm. yeah. in, in, a, in a bad way. I feel like a lot of women I know, they, they are a bit conscious with the bodies and these, these elite athletes look absolutely incredible. And, yeah. you know, they're genetically the, the point, you know, the top percentage in the world, aren't they? Point zero zero one percent of the world. Do you think that that's like, do you think that's a problem? Do you think that people need to maybe try and change the perception of what they should be striving for as an athlete? Yeah, definitely. I think with social media and Instagram being mass, being even bigger than it has been in recent years, it's, you know, it's going to be sort of fighting a losing battle with that. Um, and everyone always wants to look like someone else if you don't really sort of know who they want to be themselves but mm. I think there's that strive for leanness but leanness doesn't mean performance 
high performance. No. Which I no. think is where there's blurred lines. Yeah. I know loads of lean people who've burn out or the yeah. you know, they don't hit the they're not as strong as they should be. Mm-hmm. They're not as strong as they were when they were a bit chubbier. Yeah. <laughs> and they're definitely not yeah. as happy. I think there's, a, <laughs> yeah. there's like a sacrifice, isn't there? Like I've talked about this a few times and I, this is something I picked up from precision nutrition that like there's a, mm-hmm. there's a cost of, of leanness and yeah. you have to sacrifice some things to become as lean as you can possibly be. Like some people are just born shredded. Yeah. Like, Genetic freak. Some of them you've got yeah. to admit. And they hold um, like a low level of body fat around the belly and the lower back or whatever it is. Yeah. But for, for females, sometimes that strive to be 12% body fat comes at a cost of switching off your reproductive system and losing your period. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is the, may not be damaging in the moment, but when you think of, you know, majority of women have kids and want to yeah. have families, you know, there's a lot of damage that could be done in, you know, potentially three or four years of wanting to, to be in a, a high-level CrossFit athlete. Yeah. And the, you said, do you feel like, that, you know, is there a possible danger of not being able to have a baby at some point if you do stay in that sort of low-hormonal state for a while? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not sure there's any, like, groundbreaking evidence, but there's the term amenorrhea, which is where women lose the period or haven't had a period, you know, for three months or more in a row and I've known athletes and to to lose the period and be lucky enough to gain it back you know within a few a few months of eating more but then there's also also athletes that have lost the period and they've started to eat more they've they've lowered the training volume and it's been a year and they still haven't so obviously they're, they're like, oh, well, I might as well just do what I was doing before because it's not came back. But mm. it just it just shows you the level of damage that has been done, that it's still not even back to balance within a year. It's a long time, isn't it? Like It is a, it is a very long time, yeah. I bet mentally that's quite discouraging, isn't it, at that point where you, you know, you've still not got your natural body's routine back again. Yeah. Yeah, your body is amazing. It's so clever that, you know, when there's limited energy, it, it just switches off your reproductive system. Yeah, it's like um, I've got all these, it, I've got all these fucking thrusters to do, so I don't need that. <laughs> exactly, and it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to save this energy to digest my food, or I don't know, just do you know basic tasks. Yeah. Um. So it is, re- it is really amazing in in one sense, hmm. um, because it saves it for for what it needs but then at the same time you, you need your reproductive system working if you want to be a healthy you know female and i think with um with sport and, co- and competition there's like there's that line that gets crossed where it's like we want to be a healthy individual and then sometimes we have to sacrifice that if we want to be the best in the world or the best you can be or whatever it is yeah um and it's it's just like it's like the cost of being lean it's the cost of being the best or the best you mm-hmm. can be. And it's like, are you willing to make it? Are you willing yeah. to, are you willing to let that go? And fingers crossed when you, when you back off and when you, you, you start eating more again, are you going to get it back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a risk. And I'm, I know I do appreciate that you've got to sacrifice a lot of things to, 
get to that one percent or less than one percent in the world but um yeah it's it's individualized isn't it it's I just would like to think that, or if you spin it the other way, like how many, it'd be interesting to find out how many, you know, female, I don't know, Olympic gold medalists has been standing on the podium who've had the periods mm. um, during that time. That'd be really interesting to know. Yeah. Um, because in so many sports, it's, it's frowned upon if you have a period, especially, you know, things that are coming out in like the gymnastic world and, Mm. athletics and things like that it's 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 driven by the coach as well which is quite it's very disappointing but it's just it's just a culture yeah yeah it's definitely it's definitely different gravy isn't it than from the health world to the yeah to the performance world and you can you know you look at how lean some like remember jessica ellis and um denise lewis absolute shred city like looking like ninja turtles (laughs) (laughs) you know it's hard to imagine that they just had healthy function and, you know, they were cracking on as normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm just making assumptions there. Um, but yeah, best in the world at the time for, for what they were doing. So it's a weird subject. Yeah. With lads, with lads are, lads are obviously, it's similarly affecting. Like, you know, we look at more obvious signs, like with us, obviously we don't have periods, but mm-hmm. we do have libido. Yeah. And those yeah. sorts of things, and like you know, are you make, are you waking up with morning wood, and you know they're yeah. they're like signs that yeah. you you're you're doing too much training, or you're not sleeping enough, or you're not eating enough. Mm-hmm. Um, have you worked with guys yet, CrossFit wise? Uh, no, do you know what? Uh, I haven't, and and non CrossFit wise, that have lost a libido, but I'm funnily enough, I'm actually working with uh, just a gen general gym goer, just you know. He's a dad, he's, he works hard, goes to the gym like three, four times a week. And he mm. has he has got a feeling that he's got low testosterone and I, he hasn't been tested yet, but he's wanting to. And he's lost his libido. Before I work with him, he was like eating minimal food, but training on top of it. So he's got all the signs to me that he's got low testosterone. Um, like, but it could just be a case that he's like really underfueled. Mass- like, like yeah and he is massively um but yeah when there's when there's an issue that you don't want to sleep with your partner and things like that that's when you sort of got to start thinking about things a little bit more yeah because i mean as even as like if you look at like competition and becoming better at something like if you if your relationships are poor at home um or you've got like emotional stress that can have a really big impact on it yeah, you know, if they think that the gym is damaging your relationship as well, like it's just yeah. no good, is it? No, um, not at all. And if it, yeah, getting to the point where you don't want to bang your missus is it's just a, it's just definitely a, a sign, isn't it, that things need to change? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So, so what's next for you then? So you're working with your footballers. Are you still working with CrossFitters a little bit as well? Um, a couple, but I've not, um, I've not sort of, right or wrongly, I've not marketed my like new business specifically at gym goers, if that makes sense, or cross yes. processes. Um, I'd like to think that when the study is published, um, that might gain a bit more traction and a bit more interest in, in cross processes in general. Uh, and it'd be good when it 
when it finally gets out. But yeah, I've just got a lot of focus being put on Manchester United at the moment and like my own nutrition business and good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm, whenever gyms are open, I still um, yeah. do a bit of CrossFit coaching now and again. And yeah, I just want to. Yeah, the the aim is to you know be around Manchester United more and increase that one day to two or three days, um, or even full time. Who knows? Um, Brilliant. There's a financial crisis going on for everyone at the moment, so yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm when just... um, I think you know when with as far as Manchester United goes, when they when the when the the club sees the value of what you're providing and the you know mm-hmm. prefer, look at your team top of the league, like it's definitely got something they need to review. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and um and as far as CrossFit goes, we just need some competitions again. Like I think when, oh when, my God. when CrossFitters have got something to compete for, then they're definitely going to be looking at, at that aspect, that's that side of things. Yeah. Because at the minute they're just and... doing single arm devils press in the back garden all, all day. And... <laughs> now in the rain, yeah. In the rain and the snow, yeah, absolutely. Um, just going back to um one of the to the to the CrossFit study, actually, this will be the, the, the final thing on that, but in terms of supplements, um CrossFitters love knockos, um, me included. Um, and what we discussed was, or what we found, that every CrossFitter in the land, bar, you know, a couple, have a knocko before they train. Um, but in definitely in the females, there was, there was definitely evidence to say that they were under consuming carbohydrates pre-workout and overall because they were having caffeine so they, instead of food. Right. So they were overstimulating instead of fueling, under, overstimulating under fueling. Yeah. So it was, I'm all for having a knocko, but have some carbs as well. Yeah. Um, like a banana or, or whatever. But yeah, that was quite an interesting find that if, even the males, like the whole CrossFit um, community, if they were to have caffeine and a, and a bit of carbohydrate, if the goal is performance, then it could reduce that, you know, underfueling issue in females, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like some people, I've not had any breakfast, but I'm just going to neck a uh, knocko and crack on. Like <laughs> you're going to get 40 minutes into that session and just be like, oh God. <laughs> I'm dead and I've got a really, really high heart rate for no reason. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, yes. isn't it? It's definitely a danger, I think. But yeah, good supplement if you don't like coffee and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely seen that. I don't think people understand that you need to fuel the fire and you can't just run off fumes. And Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you've probably got loads it of glycogen from so last long, night. but yeah. Yeah, if you're fueling big sessions, like 90 minutes, two hours, and then you've got to rest four hours and do it again, you know, you need to, you need to fuel it. Yeah. Otherwise no. some, something's going to give eventually, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Brilliant. Mate, it's been, um, I've really enjoyed having you on. I feel like I've learned loads. Well, thank you very much. Thank um, you. And I need you to educate me more and more about females, female CrossFitters, because it certainly <laughs> helps me out. Um, but yeah, Anytime. thank you. Thank you. Very- Where can people find you, Amy, if they need help with their nutrition? Yeah. So they can find me on Instagram. And it's at Committed Nutrition 2020. And then if you want a website, how can I forget the website? It's www.wearecommittednutrition.com. Brilliant, yeah, mate. You can find me in them two places. 
Brilliant, Amy. Thank you very much for coming on. And uh, oh no, you're welcome. Thank you. See you next week, guys. Thank you.